ready? Hello, hello. Welcome once again to the State of Flux podcast. I am Rich Nardo, and today we are lucky enough to be joined by the one and only Brittany Brave. Brittany is one of the most beloved comics in Miami. Uh, She also hosts a radio show down there on Hits 97.3. She's an actress, entrepreneur, and most importantly, she's just a really awesome person. So I'm really stoked to have had her on. She provided a lot of great insight. Uh, I definitely took a lot out of it. So I, I hope you guys do too, and enjoy. Are you ready? And we're live. What's up, Rennie? How you doing? I'm on the struggle bus. How are you? Uh, I'm probably sitting right next to you on that struggle bus. So I think uh, maybe we'll have a, a little cathartic podcast interview right now. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep each other company. Misery loves that. So let's do it. Yeah, and, and you're in Orlando right now, right? A better place to be miserable than Orlando, Florida. Yeah, truly. I mean, um, it's just it's I just moved from one corner of Floridian hell to another. Um, but yeah, I am in Orlando. I'm on a cool uh, comedy festival this weekend called Taste the Funny, and it's like an intersection of food and comedy. And um, Joe Gatto from The Impractical Jokers, uh, Steve Byrne, Joey Fatone from NSYNC, who I'm very excited to see, and me, That's and awesome. me, little old me, headlining a show tomorrow night on the festival. So I'm excited. That's awesome. You had me at Joe Gatto, so <laughs> I didn't even have myself at me. I had myself at Joey Fatone, but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just so uh, we give a little bit of background for the the listeners here. So you and I have known each other for probably a decade at this point. You know, we both started off as music publicists, which was something that I don't think either of us really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dark days. So- yeah, yeah, the dark days. Um, then, you know, you and I started doing some writing together. You went on to pursue comedy and acting and a million other things. And you're just crushing it out there. So one of the things that I want to ask you while we're here is what was that transition like? Like, how did you get from that? I'm a music publicist. I hate this. I want to do comedy. What were the steps like to get to actually building a career as an entertainer? Yeah, um, great question. I, for me... I compare it to um, a breakup in a really long-term unhealthy relationship. Also, that's what led to my ultimate transition as well, too, which I know you know a little bit about. But it's kind of something that you have, or I had my mind made up to do for a while. So the decision to make the transition was kind of a no-brainer. And I, I think it came at a time... I don't think I would have stuck with it had I attempted it sooner. I just want to share that, you know, so and I tell that to everybody who wants to make these big career and life transitions that, you know, it's going to come at the right time and you're going to know you're going to know when to leave that relationship. You're going to know when to open up that business. So the decision was clear and I think it was sitting in my mind for a while and then that paired with you know, life and bad relationships and bubbling resentment over having to sit at a desk and be a music publicist all day kind of ended up being the perfect storm. And by the time I had really committed to making the decision to to do comedy, uh, there was no hesitation in shutting everything else down because this had already kind of my mind had been made up to have done this already you know so um but it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight as you know and as a lot of people know with most things and it took just trying to 
phase out of my PR life and old life and into comedy. But even I'll be the first to admit to you, I was a little clunky. I kind of crash landed into this comedy career because I think I was really excited to just just do it. Yeah, I, I think that's a valuable lesson for anybody going for a dream is you're going to suck when you first start. It's going to be clunky. Uh, but that's the only way you get good is to just dive in and, and go for it, you know, and you learn as you go. Um, yeah, I'm still broke to this day, three, four years and <laughs> fully producing and, and, and pursuing comedy. But I do remember getting a piece of advice from a friend. I was like, well, I'm, I'm hesitant to drop my PR clients because I don't want to be broke. And I live in New York. And he was just kind of like, there's never going to be a good time. And you're going to be broke if you're going to actually go for this. So you might as well like dive in head first. I, I just don't, I think when you dive in head first, it's a little clunky and reckless, but it forces you to commit yeah. and kind of see something through. So. And where were you on the reckless scale when you made that transition? Were you kind of like plotting it out for a couple of months where you're like, okay, on this date, I'm going to go. Or did you just wake up one day and it was just like, fuck it. I'm, I'm a comedian now. And like, I said woke up one day and said, fuck it. I'm a comedian now, even though I knew I already was. And I, I've been performing my whole life. So I also have a little bit of a different story. And I want like the listeners to know that contextually, you know, too. Like, it's not like I was just, it's not like I was jumping into like, I've never been on stage, you know, or I was like, oh, I don't, what's comedy, you know? So I had been performing in some capacity and I did a lot of improv and sketch. And I, I just all of a sudden had this like aha moment. Where I was like, I would think to myself, like, when I see myself 10, 20 years down the line, I'm hoping it's on red carpets or on people's TV screens or on a stage or in some capacity. And then I just quite literally, like, looked at my current situation on, like, a Thursday afternoon. And I wasn't doing anything to get there. Like, I was like, oh, I'm, I know I'm going to be there. I know it's not. I know I'm not going to end up being the head of the world's biggest music PR firm. That's not me. I know I'm going to end up making really cool stuff and hopefully be on people's TVs and podcasts and stuff. And I mean, like I said, my situation was a little different because I was in a really abusive relationship for three years. Um, so, you know, my nerves were pretty shot. My life was kind of slowly also falling apart. And I did have a day when I was severely depressed, something really really bad and scary. I'd just gone down with my ex again. And I was sitting in the middle of pitching for a band. I, I straight up didn't give a crap about. And I just was like, I need to be happy. I have no dopamine. I, I'm so sad right now. And I said, go, go do improv. Yeah. That was, that was like the day I was like, and I obviously didn't get paid, but I was just like, can I curse on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I, but I just said, fuck it. <laughs> I just said, it was the best time. And I've said, fuck it a lot of times in my life for with worse consequences and for less important things and that's the most important time I said fuck it in yeah. my life and I just abandoned my calls for the day slammed my laptop shut canceled everything and I went down and I did improv for two hours and I was so happy yeah and it was so fun and there was this click this alignment and I said yeah I'm a comedian that was the day and then ever yeah. since that day it was a little bit out of time to get yeah. where we are now and so. I, I think something that's important to to mention there too is, you know, I've been there too, where you just feel like there's nothing good going on with what you're doing and you just yep. want to pursue the things that you're passionate about. And then you take that leap and you go after it and you feel a little bit better, but I think it's important that people know if they're going to make that transition, it's still going to be fucking tough if you're 
you're chasing something. So it's not like you're, it's going to go sunshine and rainbows right away. It's like, you just got to work at it and know that you're passionate about what you're working towards. You have to pick something. If you're going to do something entrepreneurial and risky and all of those things and creative, you just, you have to pick something you're willing to fail at. You have to pick something that you get knocked down nine times and you get up on the 10th. And I think that, I think that was the defining factor for me. Like if I mess something up with a PR client, I didn't, I, I, sorry to them, but, you know, in hindsight, but like, I didn't give a shit anymore. Like I didn't care if I didn't land a placement. Now, if I bomb in front of 200 people, I care. I still want to get back up and go hit an open mic and I still want to do it again. And, you know, you're catching me at a really interesting time with my comedy career. I'm, I'm super proud of my comedy career. I think I've made great leaps and bounds in this insane business in a really short amount of time. And I'm currently going through a really depressive, creatively stagnant, what the fuck am I doing? Is this right? What's the next move right now? But I wasn't there literally a month and a half ago, but I was there two months before that, but I definitely wasn't there three months before that. So it's like, you have to accept that, that like that never goes away. It's like just what you've signed up for. And I don't know, we allow peaks and valleys in corporate jobs because we're, we have a cushion. It's not our job and it's not the thing we really love. And we accept good days and bad days. And some days you're just not motivated and some days you are. But suddenly when you pursue something entrepreneurial, you forget like you're going to hate it sometimes. You're going to be lost sometimes. You're going to make mistakes. And I think you forget it because it's it's just a, a lot scarier when yeah. you feel that in, you know what I mean, what, with comedy or something. So, yeah. And comedy is notorious, I feel like, for, you know, like you could be the top stand up in the world and you could still bomb randomly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. That's got to be extremely stressful. And and I would love to know what do you do when you're in like a creative rut or you're you bomb and you fail? And like, what do you use to get yourself back up on the stage or pick up the pen and start writing again? Yeah. And I also want to just say to that point, yeah, the bombing's hard, of course. Um, a bomb is going to look, if you're growing at the right rate, a bomb will look differently when you're three years in and 10 years in, you know, everybody else might be like, you were amazing, but you know what you're, what you're capable of. You're like, no, I've killed, killed before. So if it's not that anything else is kind of, you know, um, the bigger challenge now, to be honest, is the bomb still rock me a little bit, but I don't think a bomb would ever make me quit when you're this far in. Like, there's no going back. I'm not going to do anything else, nor would I want to. The thing that gives me anxiety are, like, the career moves. Like, the, like, bigger picture, like, so do I release that hour I just taped at Dania Improv after, you know, selling it out and headlining and whatever? Or, like, no, do I sit on, okay, or do I, uh, do I tour? Or, um, okay, do I want to go in this direction? Okay, I'm doing radio now. Okay, well, how do I want that to fit into other, like, that's what gives me bigger anxiety now than, okay, if I bomb, you know, like, it's, but it's still true. Um, And I don't know, it's, I honestly, lately, and I don't know if this is the professional answer, but I feel this way about general sadness, too. I think the more you fight it, the more it comes back and rears its ugly head instead of like letting yourself be sad and like letting yourself be dejected or be, or have your ego hurt or whatever. We, we as human beings try to be like, Oh, I don't want to be sad anymore. What can I do to like, you know, and 
over the last month and a half, I've been going through it. Like my productivity said, I don't feel funny. I don't feel creative. I haven't written a ton of new bits. I feel uh, about everything. I, I, you know, and I think, I think it's healthy if you let that happen sometimes. Like, I think as a creative, it stores away somewhere. Yeah. It's it. You don't think it's happening, but process it and cry and take that day to be like, ah, fuck it. And, and like, then and when it when it hits, grab it and and make something. But if it doesn't, don't beat yourself up because I still think it stores residually somewhere, and you mm-hmm. will make something good out of it when you don't beat yourself up yeah. about it. Yeah, that's a lesson I definitely need to learn. I, I'm I'm like that typical response that you're talking about. Like if I'm down on something, it could be like something like life changingly bad. And my, my reaction to that is always like, okay, put your head in the sand, pick up the pen, start writing, just do something productive, you know, like, and then you, the next day you're just kind of like, I still feel the same. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I don't feel any better than I did the day before sort of a thing, you know? Which I think you bring up a phenomenal point that you can't expect the creativity to make you feel it's not going to make you feel better. And you have to do, you have to do it when it doesn't feel good. Like, I think that's a great point. Like we like, we're like, Oh, the the best way to push myself out of this writer's block or this creative rut is to just pick up that pen and go do that open mic. And then, you know, what surprise you might still wake up tomorrow and still feel pretty uninspired and unmotivated. Cause that's the whole thing is like, you, you can't expect your art to save you. This is what you've signed up for. So you have to love it and create, and accept where you're at when you're shitty and depressed and you have to love it and create and accept where you're at when you're like flying high and firing on all cylinders. You know, like I used to think that too. I used to be like, I'm going to get on stage and that'll make me feel better about anything else going on in my life. And that's not healthy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at all. <laughs> like, cause the same thing happens where you're like, Oh wait, no, like you have this high cause you just made a hundred people crack up. And then an hour later you're like, Mm-hmm. well hello darkness my old friend <laughs> yeah exactly it's like that old old I forget what it was there's some movie I remember watching where like the, the guy walks off stage after like doing like a killer set I think it actually might have been Miss Mar- uh Marvelous Mrs. Maisel but she like walks off stage and like walks outside and like lights a cigarette and she's like right back into that like deep dark depression that she was like right yeah. she went on set yeah, on stage yeah and it helps and it doesn't. And then, you know, you just realize it's all like ebbing and flowing. Yeah. And there is something, there's something cathartic, I think, to pursuing the creativity, even when you're in that down space too. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, okay, well, I feel like shit. So I'm not going to do anything creative, but it's like, you've got to almost be gentle with yourself while you're doing it. It's not, you can't be like militant, like, no, write five pages today, write this jet oh, yeah. stage, you know? Yeah, because I think the second you start treating yourself and your art like that, in that like militant, harsh way, you're gonna you're gonna zap. You're definitely gonna zap the fun. Yeah. Out of it then too, and it's I I've also like the quote that's really been sticking with me with like fitness and my my career and writing and everything is like, you know, you don't have to have everything be perfect, but it's a lot more important to be consistent. Mm-hmm. So you know, if, if all you can give that day is two pages of writing, okay, it, that's okay. You still did it. It still counts. You know what I mean? It's so, progress. Yeah. 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 And, and I think something that I think is a natural transition to this, uh, to this conversation right now kind of ties back to something you were saying a little bit earlier. Um, you do a million things, right. And 
you're a radio host. You are an entrepreneur. Critics would say too many. <laughs> Critics and my doctor would say too many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with all these millions of things going on, like obviously stand-up is your number one passion, right? So mm -hmm. do you look at it where you're passionate about all these other things? Like if you're acting, is that something you're super passionate about or is it something that's supporting that main goal of, of getting up on stage and building your comedy career? You know what? I have, I think now it's not like, yes, stand up. Yes. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that stand up or at least comedy is my like nucleus. And it's the tone I prefer to entertain people through, though I like being sincere, like on podcasts like this, too. I just like realness. And, you know, um, but I just want to entertain people and I want to connect and I want to tell the truth. I know. And, and I help people heal as well. Like those are like the goals. And even if I look back at the years that I so-called used to say I wasted in music PR, I think between PR, between comedy, between radio, between all these different things, um, the common goal has been connection, right? It's about like using art having people discover these bands and hopefully that creates connection, creating events because that was human connection that people felt good in. And now it's laughter, bringing people together through that, or, or it's, you know, saying a break on air and hitting somebody in their car as they're having a really shitty day and they get to hear something and laugh, you know? And um, so I think it's less like, like, yeah, stand up is is for sure like or comedy is the nucleus, but radio's right up there too. And I think more more so now the goal is what feels good? Where do I have creative agency? Where do I feel like I'm making an impact? What's you know what I mean? And I tell college kids that when they're like, I don't know what to study in school. Like I looked out and it, it, even though I'm, you know, balls deep in college debt. Um, shout out Biden and his administration. Just forgive all of it already. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm like, please forgive my loans. Um, yeah. Even though I'm balls deep in college debt, I have two degrees that I could use PR, PR and theater. And I'm really glad I chose those two things because I can do a lot of different things with them. So that way I don't have this pressure of like, well, what am I going to be when I grow up? I'm like, well, no, I'm just going to study two things that give me skills I know what I like to do and I know what I'm good at. And I know, I think just approaching it from a more intangible, if that makes any sense, like instead of being like Netflix special, well, maybe it's not, mm -hmm. maybe it's not Netflix. Maybe it's a silent disco comedy special. Like that sounds like a nightmare, but that might end up being something I, I fall into, <laughs> you know, like, so I think that's easier that way. Cause then you don't, you don't disappoint yourself. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and, that's interesting because that was actually one of the next things that I was going to ask about. Like you mentioned that your background is theater and PR in yeah. terms of communication. And one of the things that I'm always like super impressed with you is that you don't wait for somebody to do something for you or create an opportunity for you. Like you create your own opportunities. You organized a documentary about the Miami uh, comedy scene. You started your own business. You book your own nights at clubs. You book your own tours you can handle both the business side and the creative side. So what's like balancing like that, balancing all of that? Like it's two complete opposite sides of the brain. Like how do you balance that? Is there any key to it for you? Yeah. Um, thank you, by the way. Um, 
I had a friend recently say that too, because I was just like, man, I'm tired and I want help and the whatever. And even they were like, you know, though, Brittany, like you're, you're going to do this and you're going to do it your damn way. <laughs> like, they're like, you know, that's your destiny. You're not somebody who falls into like the formula of other comics. And I just want to speak to that quickly and say, like, when you do something in, in your own lane and you create your own stuff, it, I'm going to be on it. Like, it's a lot. It, it's it's a lot harder when you don't ride anybody's coattails or you don't go by a formula or you want it. You want to go against the grain. You want to start stuff from scratch. I'm tired. And, you know, I told you at the top of this podcast as friends, like I'm physically unwell right now. Like it's catching up to me. So be mindful of that. But I do know that someday when all these things hit, nobody can take them from me. Mm -hmm. And if I'm in my own lane, I can do whatever I want because it's my lane. So, you know, I think it still pays off, but yeah, that's always been a constant, it, I, and you know, I struggle with that. I'll spend all day on my laptop, you know, pitching, editing, updating my website, pursuing these gigs, yada, yada. That's all the business side of it. And then sometimes it'll take a second to switch into the comedian side. Um, and it can, it can, the transition can be a little sloppy. You can, you know, it's not always the easiest flip-flop, but I don't know. I think if you're just doing both a lot, you'll get good at both a lot. That's a clunky way of saying, I don't know. When I first was still doing PR and then just starting in comedy, it used to zap me. Like I would just spend all day still doing PR to pay my bills. And then I would have to go on stage and be funny. And like, it was really hard then. And I think now it's just a little bit easier because I understand that the business side is my baby. Yeah. It's like, you can't always just enjoy your baby when they're cute and they're giggling and they're, you know, and they running around the house and, oh, they're just so precious or whatever. You have to also enjoy them when they're like screaming because they have an ear infection or yeah. you have to pay for their diapers that are probably overpriced. So at the, but at the end of the day, it's your baby. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. you know, even when I'm like balls deep in emails all day, saying balls deep in a metaphor about babies is weird. It just in the like, same while sentence. wearing a shirt that says ovulating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's all coming together in a scary way for me yeah. right now. Yeah. But it's I, I think like the business stuff doesn't bother me as much anymore because I actually feel momentum and it's mine and I really wouldn't want anybody else to do it. And then uh, I'm never going to not have the fun of performing. So, yeah. 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 That's awesome. And and like, we kind of were just, we said it joking around, but it, it's different than working like PR for a band when you're working towards your own project, because you're working towards being able to do things the way you want to do and pursue what makes you happiest about the thing that makes you happy. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. And it's like, um, yeah. And it all goes, you know, hand, and then even like the creative and fun stuff can be business too. Cause sometimes I have certain gigs that, you're going to have gigs that you do just for money or you're going to have gigs that you do because you feel obligated to do. And it's, you know, just carving out, I think remembering why you do it. And I know so many self-help books and stuff say that, but just remembering that it all comes back to you, which again is another benefit of of building your own lane. Like yeah. the business stuff sucks and zaps you sometimes, but you're like, this is, I'm in it. This is mine. Speaking of building your own lane and the business side, uh, one thing that I really want to talk about today was Catcall. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's amazing that you're building the organization. So I, I was thinking that maybe you could give a little bit of a background of what Catcall is and why you started it and what your goal is with it. 
Yeah. And I'll be, so yes, catcall. Let me, and okay. And I'll also be totally transparent with you about that. So I started catcall. It's like a women's network community. Um, it's free to join, you know, it, it, men are welcome. However you identify, you are welcome. Um, I started it in the music business because I had felt at the time that there were no actual positive, productive places for women to network and really build healthy relationships. Men bond really easily for the most part. Like you guys bond over inanimate objects. Like you're like, I like the same sports team. I like the same beer. Oh, I like your car. I like your car. And like, boom, you guys are best friends. And then you get to the feelings and stuff later. Women don't bond as easily. Like women are like, oh, she's prettier than me. I feel like she's a bitch. She doesn't like me. Like we let all these other things get in the way, you know? So I had felt at the time in the music business that I was like, everything's like stuffy and outdated and nobody's making genuine connections. So I just had like five girls that I was really close with and we rented a recording studio. And I said, each of you bring two people and we got pizza and wine and everyone just like hung out. And then it just kind of started to organically grow. And it has taken on so many different iterations. Like it it started off as being a music industry thing. But then as I stopped being in the music industry, it, you know, kind of now it's comedy, but it has all these different verticals. And where it's at right now is all female events, all female content. That's the general thing, you know, and it's, it's, it's a, hopefully a collective and a network that provides opportunities for women to genuinely exchange resources, genuinely bond, have fun, learn something new. Anything that falls in that vertical is there for us. And it does, it's it's grown with me. And it, it also has a really strong philanthropic angle now too. I usually market everything through Catcall. I will be transparent and say, I, I haven't done a lot dedicated to Catcall because running your own comedy career is a lot. Um, so it's been this thing that's always just kind of, it's like my shadow. It's just kind of run next to me tangentially, you know, like just right there. And I don't want to shut it down because people like you, who I haven't seen in years. It's still made an impression on and people still ask me about it and know about it. And it comes in handy when I do things for women, like panels or fundraisers and stuff. It's an easy tie-in and everything. Um, but even I had imposter syndrome with that a couple of years ago. And I was like, I don't know what to do with it. Is it a nonprofit? Is it a collective? Is it a community? Is it whatever? And I had to have a friend be like, why do you need to figure it Let out? it figure itself out. Let it be what it's going to be. Yeah. Let it be what it's going to be. And it is you. Like she was like, nobody hears that brand or that name and doesn't think of you immediately. So just let it see where it can fit into everything else. But yeah, I started it. So that's something that's always in in the back pocket and i just i just think all of these things are gonna i have improvised tarot too that i'm producing and you know i just hope that like i'll grow and then take those things with me you know that's kind of the plan so yeah. step by yeah. step you just gotta have a little bit of progress when you can and everything will uh figure itself out in terms of where it belongs in your your career and where you go with it yeah and i will say too like if you're starting something like this i don't know if you felt this way but you start it with this like, or okay, first you don't start pursuing these things because you see yourself on Netflix or SNL. And then you see that day in your life when you're not necessarily doing anything contributing towards that comedy career. So you keep procrastinating starting it because you're like, oh, it's so far away. 
Because that's what you see. You see the end goal. You see the end all be all, which is you on SNL or you with the Netflix special. So that dissuades you, discourages you a little bit. And then you start. And that is the best time when you start. Like, because you're like, I'm new at this. I can suck at this. It's all new. I'm not jaded yet. Maybe I'm not doing it to financially support myself. You're like shot out of a cannon and you're like, I don't know. I, I'm just finally doing it. What am I going to do? And then it happens after you have a little bit of success. That's when I feel like the imposter syndrome comes right back. Cause yeah. now there's like stakes. Now this is how you pay your bills. Now yeah. you've done some shit. Now there's like, and now you're like, Oh man. Oh, okay. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. So I just want to share that. Cause it's, it just, it just ebbs and flows and then you'll have a really big win and you'll feel on top of the world again until you don't yeah. and then, you know it's and then you're like oh what do I do next so yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that you nailed it it's everything when you're pursuing something that's not just okay I'm taking this job and they're going to give me a salary and I'm going to work nine to five if you're doing anything that is going to be something you're actually building there's it's going to ebb and flow it's going to be up and down and if you actually care about it and you want to be the best version of yourself and make whatever you're creating the best version of whatever it's going to be, you're going to have imposter syndrome. Yeah. That's the most common thing with everybody I know who I respect as an artist. Every single one of them has imposter syndrome. I think if you don't, you're not a real artist. I really do. I think if you don't have a touch of it, you're not a real you're not a real artist. I think if you aren't, or you're not, do, I don't think you're doing it correctly. If you're not scrutinizing everything that you create, if you don't wrestle it, hate it, kind of hate yourself a little bit, oh, but then love, oh, but love what you're doing. Love your, like, I, if you don't go like, and I think, I think it's the imposter syndrome, because I think if you think you got this, all the time and you never bomb and you're amazing and whatever. I, I don't, I, what I will say, so I don't get totally canceled by, by the people who have no imposter syndrome is I would change the approach and I would see what happens when you start looking at things with a much more discerning magnifying glass. You start really like monitoring your art. You start really looking close, getting honest with yourself about your performances and your jokes and all of these things, I think you're going to make better art. I think you're going to become better at this. Like, yeah. yeah. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't agree more. You got to be your own artist critic. I think, I think that's what makes, makes a great artist. Well, Bernie, thank you so much for taking the time here today to, to talk to us. I know you, like we've said throughout this podcast, you got a million things going on. So, you know, it means a lot that you, you came to talk with us. So in closing, I just want to ask where people can see what you're working on, what stand updates you got coming up and everything. Yeah, I, uh, Instagram, Brittany Brave, Brittany Brave on Tik, Brittany Brave Comedy on TikTok, Brittany Brave on just about all the things. Um, I am going to be doing a lot of shows that are not in South Florida, some in South Florida, like I have Tampa and Boca and things like that, um, in addition to Miami. But I mean, Rochester, New York, LA, Phoenix, Memphis, Boston. Yeah, there's a Chicago New later York. in the year. Yeah, so... um. All on deck, probably probably Raleigh at some point too. I think Denver's in the works. So if you're in any of those cities, just um, mailing lists, social media, all that good stuff. So, cool. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you again and uh, 
have a great day and uh, say hi to Joe Gatto for me tomorrow. I will. Thank you. This was such a therapeutic conversation for me, by the way. Thank you. Are you ready? Are you ready?